your long suffering with each of us. Your promises made. You're not a man that you should lie. Yet you identified with our pain in your only begotten Son. Lord, I don't want to be a preacher of intellect. But as Paul said, not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with a demonstration of power of the work of the Spirit, knowing that the Spirit tries the hearts and the minds, that any person can walk in in any position, any place, any hurt or any joy, and mix wonderfully well together in your body and leave changed, not challenged. Thank you for allowing us to be assembled together here this morning, even more so as we see this day approaching. Lord, we want to please you. Will you equip us not only with your word, but by the comfort of the Holy Spirit, with a direction to know truth in a day when many winds blow, and then give us boldness and strength to declare Thy truth, knowing that it's not only an offense to the world, but it's a medicine for the hurting and the dying and for the weary traveler. Equip us, God. In Jesus' name I pray, because there's not another name in heaven or earth whereby we must be saved. There's not another name like the exalted name of your Son who now sits on your right hand, who intercedes as we pray, Father, would not trust in the repetitious prayer of a Pharisee, but we trust in the everlasting prayer and intercession of the one who paid it all. Not only the price of his human existence, but he paid with the debt of deity. And his love surpassed. Thank you for having a love in the Godhead long before our creation that has brought us forward in this day. As the song wonderfully says, even after 10,000 years, God, we'll be no sooner to the end than when we started. I thank you that in 1912, a man slept in his bed and began to think of Mary approaching the tomb that morning, oh God. And today we sing in many funerals and in services across the country, I come to the garden alone. Will you come, Lord Jesus? Amen. Good morning, church. I don't know how excited you are, but I'm very excited to be here. Share the word of God. Amen. 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 In a day when, when many opinions are able to sway at times and when many winds blow on, on so many fronts around the world, you see trouble, we can find our strength and our solidarity in the word of God. And it's going to not only be important to this day, but in the, in the days ahead that we build our lives on the Word. 
That sounds too simple, but how many times do we trust something else? Do we ask somebody else? So this morning I'm going to ask you, if you would, to open your Bible to the book of Genesis, the second chapter. I'm excited to share in the month of January what I call a practical series, Practical Life. And while you're turning there, I'm not going to call on anyone, I'm not going to call your name, and I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But last week, we ministered on simplicity, how to simplify the life, and seeing that a busy life is not always a fruitful life. Did anybody go home and make some adjustments? Maybe at this point, they're, they're just in your mind, but you have full intentions of, of changing some things and adjusting because of the Word of God last week. If you are making adjustments because of the Word of God, would you please just slip your hand up like this? I'm not going to call anybody out. I just want to see around the congregation. Amen. It's very important that as we teach the Word of God, there, there's an opportunity for you to respond. I think in the weeks ahead, we want to allow, if you during the week, uh, the, the God has begun to adjust your life on the ministry, uh, because of the ministry of His Word, I want to provide you an opportunity in our services to share uh, what that what that has done, how God has done that. We need to be very practical and allow God to make the adjustment, uh, then agree to that, and this part of just simple repentance. And sometimes we preach these fancy words, but we don't, we don't necessarily do something about what we heard. So I pray that this month and then the months following that we can really get into some practical series. As you've seen, there's going to be opportunities for home groups. This is a place that you can get involved and you can share what you are dealing with. And, and we will have multiple groups available. We want to help get you in the right group to meet your needs, where you are in life, what you're dealing with. And you can share with someone. You can connect with somebody. You won't find yourself feeling as alone at times during trouble or trial. And also, you're able to share the great joys and the fruit that God has done for you in response to your word. And maybe we wouldn't always get that on a Sunday morning because we don't get to attach that way. We want to do that more and more, really get attached, assembled together in the body, and be the support that God intended the body of Christ to be. So Jesus is the head. We are the body. We want to function very practically. He didn't leave and not leave us a practical way to follow. He didn't say, follow me, and then give us no way to follow him. When he said, follow me, he meant you could literally follow him and get where he said you could be. So you're nowhere that's impossible for God today to lead you, guide you, and direct you to exactly where he wants you to be in your life. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Isn't that wonderful? God put God, a man in a garden. Where could God have put man? In his creation, he could have put man anywhere. He could have created anything out of nothing and placed us in the midst. God planted. He didn't just, he planted. Will you hear that with me? God planted a garden, and then put man. Have you ever read past this verse and maybe not got that? God planted and then put a man in his garden. Wonderful. Let's continue. Okay, now, if you'll flip just a few pages. 
chapter 8, verse 22. Chapter 8, verse 22, one verse. Here's what he said. While the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, as long as there's an earth, there will be a seed and harvest time, cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night. It won't quit. You won't change that. Global warming will not change the promise of God's word. <laughs> seed time, as long as the earth remains, seed and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. This will not cease because God set it in motion. So we see now that God has planted a garden and placed man in the garden. And so we sing something like, I come to the garden. I'll try not to sing to you, but amen. I come to the garden alone. And Adam did that. Adam did that with God. In the Bible calls it the cool of the day. Adam would meet with God. Wow, what a wonderful thing. And just, I want to be very simple and practical. I think it matters. God planted the garden for him. But God has planted the garden for us. And God wants to meet with us. Now I know it doesn't always seem like it's a literal garden, but sometimes it is. And I was thinking in preparing this message, I had a grandfather that loved early mornings and he loved to memorize poems and he loved in the garden. He loved the song in the garden. But I remember uh, when I was younger and we would do some different things together. He talked about liking the dew of the morning. That fresh, you know, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. It's just fresh. Your mind is clear. What, what's neat about the morning? It's neat that your mind's clear. Hopefully you've had a night where your mind's clear. If you ever wake up in a practical way, if you ever wake up troubled in the morning, you really need to do something about whatever you was dealing with in the night. If it ever troubles you through the night. I know one thing in counseling, relationships, is that uh, I've dealt with some marriages this year, and there's one question I like to ask them. Has your problem caused you to be angry in the morning? They said, what? I said, no, would you please answer the question, have you found yourself angry the next morning? If after a night's rest, you feel, still find yourself very discontented, maybe not angry, but discontented, and there's not a settled peace where you can meet with God in a garden with dew and be fresh, then as a minister, I say to them, we must take this and deal with it. But if you can, maybe there's something that the Lord has unsettled you because it needs to be dealt with and you're able to sleep and you have rest where you could meet with God peaceably of a morning, I would say to you, it still needs to be dealt with, but it's not gained the degree of difficulty that we would see when you're still discontented the next morning. This is a practical thing I've learned not only counsel of marriage, but counsel of individuals. So, amen, let's look for our peace. Let's look for the refuge that is in our home. But let's notice that God plants gardens and then gets a great joy out of putting us in his creation. And so a garden to us is not always just a literal vegetable garden. 
But, but many times, I mean, your home is a garden. Your job can be a garden place, a place that you plant and water. And these places can also be a very miserable spot if they are not garden-like. If they are not with the planting of God and you in the midst of a relationship with the Lord there, maybe you have it here but don't have it here, this really causes life to become troubled. Let's look in the Scripture. I want to just make a few blanket statements, and then I want to use some analogies that I begin to believe would begin to bring out and bring a very fresh light to this garden that God created And this was my observation out of reading these two verses that God planted and placed a man. Then he told him, guess what? There's going to be seasons. Well, what about these seasons? This is the problem. Now, it takes the seasons to make the garden that he planted grow. But at the end of the day, if there's seasons, it surely would make difficult the gardening. Any gardener knows that the seasons can be wonderful and they can also be a problem. And so my observation, and I wrote this statement down, God placed man in a garden, told him that there would be seasons, then he asked him to be fruitful and multiply, and now you have an issue like, whoa, I love the garden, sometimes the seasons are a problem, but God still expects and wants me to be fruitful and multiply. And the problem exists when we've been placed in God's creation. Maybe you've come to salvation in your home, you have God at work, but you realize it's just not fruitful and it's not multiplying multiplying like the expectation that you've had. And this is why last week as I started the first series on simplification and removing the difficult structures and just the raw busyness, if there was a way to reduce busyness, we automatically would become uh, fruitful. What we find out about gardening is that certain people grow certain plants better than others. And my certain, uh, my forte in gardening, my love is the sweet potato. I can't explain why. I love how the sweet potato multiplies. I could put him in sand and put him in a warm spot. And he he puts up all these neat green shoots. And then you can let them get about eight inches high. And and you can pluck the shoots, wrap them in wet newspaper, and haul them wherever you want. And they'll grow in most any soil. And boy, they have a wonderful looking vine. But in the fall, I love it because you don't really know how it did by the vine. You have to put the potato fork in the ground and pull the soil up, and it's like Christmas morning. You're so excited now. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> Let's don't talk about that. God put Adam in the garden because he knew it could be fruitful and multiply. But there are times that you pull the potato fork up, and everything's really small, and you wonder how the top looks so great, and the bottom didn't. And I believe there's a lesson in that, how we could look so great on top and look so great to our peers and look so great sometimes in church, like everything. Maybe you look so great in your marriage, but it's maybe beneath the surface that you say, Pastor, it's just not going well. Listen, I'm not here to beat up on that. I'm here to, to give you the word of God and equip you to get out and become more fruitful, more multiplying and more happy and, and, and hopefully direct, not deprive you, but direct your focus so that you can become more fruitful. Sometimes that's all it takes is a redirection of focus. But anyway, I love the sweet potato. Um, but they do say with the gardeners that they should grow what they love. And we see what God loves by what he placed in his garden, us. He loves us so much. Aren't you glad God put us in a garden? And so what happens was there was a lot that happens in gardens throughout Scripture. And Jesus taught with garden analogies over and over and over throughout the Old and New Testament. There are all these garden analogies. So anytime you hear a pastor preaching on the garden, I hope you can appreciate it. Um, that's how God teaches me. 
Amen. I don't, I don't, amen. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, here's another, a few observations. If you would like to listen to this, it was just a few of my thoughts as I went. God placed his creation in a garden. Sin began in a garden. A redemption took place in a garden called Gethsemane. Crucifixion took place also in a garden. Jesus was crucified in a garden. Isaiah 53 referred to Jesus as being a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. The kingdom of heaven was compared to a garden, a mustard seed, a man that sowed seed in his field, the prepared soil of the heart, plowing, pruning, the early and the latter rain, good seed, four winds, vine dressers, fallow ground, roots of bitterness, how lilies grow, and last but not least, harvesting. All of those are gardening principles and analogies in the Word of God. So as we see here that God has planted man in the garden, He told him as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seasons. And then He said to him, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Now I want to ask you, have you found your life in different seasons? Wow. Man, this can happen on a lot of fronts. If you read Luke chapter 4, you'll find out that the devil left tempting Jesus for a season. For a season. What season are you in? Only you can answer. Can I tell you that seasons matter? And if you look at the screen, there's a garden in the winter. Now, God said as long as the earth remains, there's going to be all of these seasons and they're not going to quit. But what if he told you when you were first born again, there would be seasons of your life? Is that different than some preaching you heard? I mean, after all, it's easy to hear some ministry and and assume and have an expectation that it's all going to be good. And it's always going to look like a summer garden. In other words, uh, you hear the preacher and he said, come to Jesus and there's your life. And that's true. I remember when I was first saved, the season I was in, it was just like nothing could go wrong. I mean, everywhere I went, and you're just talking about Jesus and how he had had saved you and forgiven your sin and the joy. And I'm not suggesting any of that should be degraded. But but I can tell you there have been seasons of my life when at times it didn't always seem as fruitful as other times. And I had to learn that, that maybe my expectation was messed up, that God wasn't wrong about there being seasons in this world or in this life, that it's actually okay to live in the wintertime if you need to. And there's some things that happen in the winter on the gar- in the garden uh, that's just wonderful. I mean, let's think about the winter for a moment. Uh, I have a little farm, and I love the fact that you can grow in a fruitful season of the summer like this. And in fact, I think I'm going to put out, it's been two years since I put out, but I'm going to put out 5,000 onions this year again. I also like to grow an onion. I love a red onion more than a white onion. It has less water and it preserves. It keeps better in the, in the pantry than the white one will. It's not as full of water. Uh, it does not take on that much. Anyway, you don't want to know all that. Um, but I love the summertime because there's this abundance of everything and everything's green and pretty. It's warm in the morning. You've got the dew on the grass. Oh, man, the birds are singing. I mean, you can spill a little bit of grain when you go feed the calves and you haven't spilled anything because every sparrow, I looked out the other day and I spilled some grain and I love the next few mornings, the red birds and the sparrows and the blackbird, they were all eating. I thought, I'm going to spill some more grain. Amen. But the summertime is a time of abundance, a time you can store. It's a time that Julie cans. 
And man, I wish I had a picture this week of a few years ago. She, she had canned so many different things, and it was wonderful. We took a picture on our website, and you opened, I opened the cabinets, and all of these beautiful colors. I mean, there were red tomatoes and green beans, and her grandmother left us a recipe on how to can uh, uh, bell peppers, pickle bell peppers. And she wrote in, in their canning book that many times they had a large family, her grandmother did, uh, that they would open a gallon jar on the table and they'd eat every one of those. But this is a time in winter. See what I'm reminding you of? I don't know what season you even feel like you're in today. But can I tell you, God ordained every season of your life. And it's okay to be in the winter. It's okay to be in the summer. But if you're in the winter, I want you to look back the way Julie and I could open the cabinet and be so thankful that on a cold winter's day, we could open a fresh quart of tomatoes and enjoy what God had given to us in a very fruitful season. I'm asking you, have you canned your joy? And I know that's not real. Like, you can't literally, like, pack some joy of Jesus. (laughs) But, boy, you can take your great times and great seasons, and you can kind of, in prayer, lock them away. And at another time when you get in the winter, you see the thing about winter is, is there's just less sunlight. And if you're in a time when there's less S-O-N, sun, light, I'm just telling you, you might be in the winter. But can you find some joy? Boy, it's really quiet in here. I want to preach on life seasons. Because I think the expectation is that, you know, come to Jesus and you're never going to have a problem. But the problem with that is that's not true scripturally. You see, Adam and Eve faced some real depression, I'm sure, after the sin and the fall. I'm sure they faced real guilt. In Genesis 15, Abraham faced some real guilt and wondering how God could do this. Jonah dealt with some real issues in the last chapter of Jonah. Everybody's laughing. Paul the Apostle says in Philippians... My earnest expectation and hope is that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Nothing. But that with boldness as always, Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it's by life or death. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, I was pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that I despaired even of life. But I had the sentence of death within myself, not to trust in myself, But in him who raises the dead, and there is verse and scripture and chapter and promises that promises that it's not based on our life alone when we face a season of winter, when the sunlight is not so warm upon our heart, yet God still has a radiance and seasons that we know we have either come from or are looking to, and we get to have faith in an almighty God who created us in a garden He planted us, guaranteed to us we could be fruitful and multiply no matter what the season is. God says you can find joy wherever you are. He said, if you seek me, you'll find me. That means God will not play hide and go seek with you in your winter season. He will provide you what you need. 
What I would like to ask today is that God is able by the word of God to direct our attention that seasons are okay. Also in the season of the garden, boy, look at this summer's garden. Wow. Don't you want your church life, your ministry, your marriage, your job to look just like that? But see, winter is very different. What I did recently was I plowed the garden. Do you know how ugly the garden looks when it's plowed? Wow. Huh? And you take everything on top of the ground that I don't want to grow in my garden. I don't want it. I do not want Bermuda grass growing around my tomato plants anymore. It's like the devil. I mean. I mean, have you ever wrestled with that Bermuda sprig? Wow. I mean, man, whenever he sinned in the garden, it became a waste howling wilderness of thorns and thistles. And then he told, man, you're going to get to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. And I think the Bermuda grass had to be one of the first shoots that shot up out of the soil that poor Adam had to start taking a stick or something and trying to beat off of his good tomato plant. <laughs> Uh, a few years ago, a very uh, as a preacher, you have message. It seems like people remember, and they remembered one where I planted these strawberry plants, and it was so it was really great until the weeds start growing. It's kind of like getting saved when you first got saved. You didn't think a weed would ever grow around you. You know, it'll never happen to me. And then pretty soon you look around, you couldn't see the strawberry because all it looked like was weeds, and then it almost becomes hopeless. Sometimes in a season where you've not tended to an area of your life. It can look hopeless. And sometimes it is on your own. And this is why the body of Christ needs to give you a hand. And when we talk about home groups, this is not just because it's a great, neat idea. It's because actually when you go to a home group, it's like giving every person there a hoe to help them work around your situation and to help you see the fruitfulness of what God planted in your life. But the other side is when you plow, you take everything you didn't like that was growing on top and you turn it under. And it gets to die. And the wonderful thing about the season in which if you're in a winter time, I would just encourage you to start turning everything you didn't like or that prevented you from being fruitful in a season when you should have been fruitful or you had an expectation of fruit, just turn it upside down in repentance and say no to it. Just get rid of it. Let it die. And then make sure that while you're doing this, that you're not just focusing on your season. You, can I say this clearly? I've got to get up a little higher so everyone I can see every eye. You won't always be in the season you're in today. As long as the earth remains, there are going to be seed time and harvest time. You're going to be in all different seasons, and it's okay. Don't be ashamed of that. Like if you come to church and you're in a winter season, don't hide it from us. That's called the mask. The mask is where we go. How are you doing? Great. Doing great. But if you're really not doing great, just say, I'm not doing that good. I need help here, brother or sister. That's why we are a church. And if we can do that with one another, then God wants us to do that with someone else in this community. And we want it to be okay to not be okay and come in and become fruitful by the Word of God. We want you to know that if you need to stand still, 
it's okay to stand still. Maybe right now in the winter, I mean, there's not much that goes on there. If you look at that, I mean, I couldn't go out and make a salad off that unless I wanted whatever's left and it wouldn't taste very good. But the summer garden you can live on. And what are ways that you can can up those joys in your life? I mean, as much as we get out here and we're able to pick and everything's going well and the worship team's growing and the food pantry's on its way and we've got people from every side and there's new converts and they're hungry and they're plugging together in home meetings and look like they're more on the way. Are you with me? Like this is a, we're entering a summer season even for the church. But we're not always going to be in a summer season. How, as an individual, as a family, as a church, how can we can the produce and the fruit that God has given us? Are we equally as prayerful over our winter season and summer season? Are they equal? Or is it easy to forget? When you're in the summer and there's more than you need, are we storing that up in prayer and letting God root and ground us? Are we letting every storm shake the top, but never forgetting that the roots of our prayer life need to go so deep because we won't always be in the summertime? So that when we get into the winter, we can draw from the resources beneath that nobody sees. Nobody sees us when we go home here at church unless they go home with you. And I wouldn't advise it. Are you able to pull the resources of remembering how faithful God is in the midst of this season you're in now? God can do this. Have your roots gone so deep? If we're not careful, we preach lopsided Christianity. We say, come to Jesus. It'll always be summertime. But then when they hit the winter, they wonder what happened. Did God get mad at me? Have I not done something right? A storm comes. Man, Lord, what happened? I remember growing like this. Saying, what happened? I didn't know this could happen. I want to bring balance today and say summer's okay and winter's okay. And you're going to have a signal. Every now and then there's going to be a fall before there's a winter. And there's always, while you're in the winter, there's a sound of the springtime. And God is able to give His voice through much of his creation, letting you know, don't worry if you're in the winter now, I'm well on my way. And in the wintertime, you've plowed beneath. You've also allowed the roots of your prayer life to go deeper. You've cried out to God. You've wondered, is he going to answer my prayer? I mean, after all, you you can sow grass seed on the snow, but you'll never see it sprout until it's warm enough to begin to germinate on the soil by the sunshine God has given. And until the Son of God rains faith early in a latter rain upon the seed that's been placed in your heart in the wintertime, it will never produce the fruit that heaven intends your life to have. And God wants you to have baskets full so that it's not only for your house, your life, and your church, but it's for His kingdom to a degree that God could draw on you at any time, anywhere, with any person, in any situation, and give to them hope like Christ. Christ had hope, dying on a cross, says to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What he was saying was, my daddy's got a basket you've never seen. And I'm sorry, I spent on, I spent on at least four pews worth of people. <laughs> Amen. I'm so, okay. When they interviewed me, they didn't know I'd spit so much. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
I was thinking about uh, some of you are seasoned and so long in the church. And may I say to you, as God begins to give us direction, you are sowing in the way of prayer. You've stood many years. God has seasoned your life. God is not finished with you in any way. You have been planting and will continue to plant, especially in the year 2016 and, and years following. You will plant trees of faith that you may not be able to witness the shade of their covering, but God will use you and is using you to plant trees that the children and grandchildren of those who are here will get to have shade in the scorching heat out of the, the workings of the world. Amen. You also may be in seasons of your life and realize you're no spring chicken. Amen. Nobody laughed. Well, there are seasons like that. This morning, I'm not dealing with that heavily. But the truth is, this morning, I'm not dealing with the age seasons. As I say that, you know what I mean. A baby is just a spring chicken. Me pastoring for 18 months, I'm wet behind the ears. <laughs> there's some things you'll do well. There's some things not so well. Your intention is to always do good, no doubt. But how about the season of our life? No, I'm not saying that you ever intended to do bad. I'm just asking you honestly, what season are you in? If you're in the hard winter where your prayers are crying out in grief, I'm asking you to send the roots down deep enough and look towards spring. And it won't be very long till you've prayed those prayers and God begin to see. There'll be a morning I walk out. We're in the midst of winter right now, right in the middle. But there will be a morning I walk out and I realize the sun feels just a little bit different. And the sound of the birds are just a little bit different. And something's starting to happen. And the bees start to move about six days out of the month or ten days. All of a sudden, springtime is now signaled to me. Everything I prayed when it looked like there wasn't much sun. It could be depressing, but it wasn't. I had dug up all of the fruit of the last season. And I've set myself toward the season in which God will produce fruit once again. And this leaves us never in one place. If we're not careful, we find ourselves trapping our mind and our thoughts and our expectations in one season of life. And then we begin to be set up for failure and guilt of the adversary and what we didn't do right. Instead of burying it and getting rid of it and letting God cause the prayer roots to go deeper... Amen. Paul had to do that in Silas as they were in jail. And it was about midnight, and you might say they were in a wintertime season of their life. Ministry had went wonderfully well. They'd seen the miraculous, but all of a sudden something had turned. And it's almost like one had to whisper to the other at midnight. Hey, remember, it's midnight. You can't see. And if it gets midnight or wintertime in your life, you have trouble seeing. There's not as much sunlight as there is in the summertime. And the problem is you can't see. And you may have to call out to a friend. and, Hey, Silas, is that you? Yes, Paul, it's me. Are you okay? I think I, I hurt a little, but I think I'm okay. Hey, hey, Silas, what do you want to do? Do you want to praise God? Yeah. I think I can do that. I mean, I always think scripturally, what caused Paul and Silas to want to praise God in the midst of this beating and torture at a midnight hour? They couldn't see anything. They're not in a fancy jail that you can flip a light on. But they had to have whispered. What song do you want to sing, brother? 
And I don't know what song they sang. But I may, if I was with you in a jail cell, if I was with you in a midnight hour, if I was counseling with you, I may want to sing, let's go to the garden alone. I may want to sing with you, there's power in the blood. I don't know what song they sang, but when they worship God, I know what God did. And if you're in a wintertime season of your life right now, can I encourage you to say, reach out to a friend, reach out to your loved one, and ask them to worship God with you in your season. And immediately your group, your roots will begin to go so deep you can't imagine. And I'll tell you what, immediately the God of heaven, when we worship and place our faith in reality in the practical seasons of our life and say, God, no matter where I'm at today, I'm going to worship you because summertime is on its way. And God shook that jail cell himself. And I say today, no matter what season, can I also say to balance this, if you're in the summertime, would you please give some of your produce to someone around you who may not have a cupboard full of canned tomatoes? And I know in a literal way, now we're feeding in the food pantry, we want to do that also. But in a spiritual way, if there's some that seem as though they're, just, they're discouraged, could we begin to reach out to one another and say, I had plenty in my summertime season. I want to give to your need. This is the body of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we'll never be effective out there at helping people out of seasons until we're effective in here of helping one another through our seasons of life. And again, the first thing is first, never hide your season from your loved ones and from your friends. It's okay to say, I'm not okay. It's okay to say, I'm in the winter and there's not much sunlight. It's also okay to say, God has done some wonderful things. I'm in a summertime journey. He has answered prayers that come from way back. If you remember with the Israelites, God continually had them looking back to when he opened the Red Sea for them. That was their canned produce. That was their guarantee that it will not always be the way it is today. And then Moses must have prayed because there was an answer that came from God said, tell my people to go forward. It's like they wouldn't move, you know. And he must have said, Lord, what do you want me to do with them? And he said, tell my people to go forward. Amen. Sometimes we're told to go forward and sometimes in the scripture we're told to stand still. As I begin to close here, I lay the faith of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as being the most, not just plentiful fruit, but sustainable fruit to eternity. It will sustain you in any season. I give to you the bread of life through the word of God that he is able Amen. As long as the earth remains, there will be all of these seasons. And as long as your life is breathing in this world, you will also face the spiritual seasons of life. And that's okay. But you will not always be in one season alone. But God will take you from season to season. He will then equip you. He will begin to give to you what it takes to show others. And any saint here that's seasoned in God for many years knows what I'm saying is true. You will be able to stand the storms of life. Jesus never said that we wouldn't have trouble. In fact, he said, in this life you will have trouble. 
But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And the last verse I give to you as I begin to close is out of the Song of Solomon. And if you're sitting in a season that seems to be wintry, here's what the Song of Songs said in the second chapter, verse 11 and 12. For lo, winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of birds is come. And the voice of the turtle dove is now heard in our land. Amen and amen to the word of God. That winter is past and the sound of the turtle dove can be heard in the land. And this was a sound they heard as Jesus approached John in a Jordan River. That the turtle dove had flew himself all the way from Noah's boat. And he flew all the way to the book of Matthew. And he lit upon the Son of God who is also known as the branch or the fig tree, the branch of God. And he flew back to Noah and had a fig branch in his mouth, signifying he had found a new country, a new hope and a new land. And all new fruit, new seasons, and new faith comes from the only begotten Son of God. You will not always be in a winter time, but lo, winter is past, and the sound of the turtle dove is now on its way. I pray that you would stand to your feet, place your faith in God, No matter what season you're in, I invite you to allow God to give your vision a look at the most plentiful times of your life. Some may have to look back farther than others. But if you would look back to where you know God was faithful, And then bring it forward into this season. And then position your eyesight on the season which you've held on to the faithfulness of God. Prayed over it. Held tightly to it. Let it give you strength. And if you're sharing with somebody else, maybe you go to them. And you give them some of your fruit. They may say to you, I don't have faith for this. That shouldn't change your response to them. Give them. See, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I want to give it unto you. It wasn't money. If you have plenty, give someone else what you've got. And this week I give a challenge to the church. Give to one person this week what you've got in God canned up full of joy. Bring them with you next week. And let God place them in his garden. When's the last time I shared with somebody else who didn't have anything, something I had? I mean, it's the basis of our faith and of the multiplication of the gospel. And this week, Lord, would you use me? It could be a neighbor, a co-worker. And them said, do you want to go with me to the house of God and hear the word of God? I mean, really? Sometimes we just don't ask them. They would come if you would ask. They would eat if you would give them your faith. What are you living on? 
What season are you in? Amen. Please stand to your feet.